What's up, everyone, and welcome to the School District Podcast. My name is Adam. Welcome. This is my podcast. I'm the host, and I really hope you enjoy all the conversations I have with educators all over the world. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and share your favorite conversations with colleagues or anyone you think would enjoy. If you're looking for a book to read, I've written four Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, Empower Our Girls, and Teachers Deserve It. As you can imagine, they are all available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And if you'd rather listen to the words than read them, Kids Deserve It is also on Audible as an audiobook. And if you're looking for a keynote speaker for some professional development or a kickoff with your staff or a conference, I would love to work with you. I've given well over 300 keynotes all across across North America with breakout sessions, coaching, leadership strands, ed tech, you name it, and I would love to work with you. You can email me directly, adamwelcome at gmail.com, or you can go to my website, mradamwelcome.com, for more information about speaking and also my other podcast and blog. Henry Turner, welcome to the podcast, man. Great to be here, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited. Yeah, super excited. You're one of the rare people. I feel like I've known you for a long time and we've never met in person. I had to think, wait, have, have I hung out with Henry at a conference or in Massachusetts, but uh, but I haven't. But one of these days, we're going to be able to connect in person. Everybody right now, go to Twitter. Make sure you're following Henry Turner HJ. It's linked in the show notes as well. Always putting out tons of, uh, you've been on tons of podcasts recently. You're blogging like crazy. Uh, it's awesome, man. So for the people out there that don't know who you are, Henry, give us uh, an introduction. Give us a little background and just kind of bring us up to speed on uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah. So, uh, well, vice versa. I'm a big fan of yours, and so I'm 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 thrilled to be uh, chatting with you. And agree, to, you get to know someone in so many ways through social media, but it's really good to just just chat, chat with someone. Um, so yeah. So I I am a high school principal uh, out here in Massachusetts, uh, large suburban high school, 2,200 students, um, and I've been doing it for uh, seven years in this school and four years in a previous school and. Uh, 20 plus years in education. And my uh, drive as an educator has been since, you know, as a, as a person of color, as one of the few people of color who grew up in the school that I grew up uh, grew up in, my passion was to help make a difference for kids who um, felt like they weren't seen in their school, who felt, um, you know, who had, who had been marginalized or were underrepresented. Um, you know, in my school, I was the only kid that had, was in an honors class, kid of color in an honors class. Uh, and I experienced bias, experienced racism, even though I was well connected with and had a lot of friends, you know. And so I wanted to make that difference, which is why I went into education and it was always my passion, particularly how do we raise the bar for students and provide different pathways for them so that they they feel like they're connected. They, they know that uh, adults care about them and they know that they can thrive in their school. And that's what led me to school leadership. And um in this current uh, school, uh, the second week of my job, uh, a group of kids drove around waving the Confederate flag um, uh, in the front part of our school. Another student caught it on a video, posted it to Facebook. This is how long ago it was that Facebook was still pretty popular. And um, it went viral. 
Um, and we had got a lot of uh, media attention. Students protested um, in response to it. Um, we learned how to work with our students to support them, to get their voice out there, to do uh, a walkout, to do a protest. Um, and we also started um, talking to our um, African-American students, our um, Latinx students, other groups of uh, students of color, Asian students, and to understand that students didn't feel connected. We actually learned, we actually saw some data that showed that 50% of our Black students were identified for special education, 5-0. Uh, and um, when our average, when our, our average or our percentage as a school was 25%, so we had this overrepresentation. And so it allowed us to ask these questions about what does systemic racism look like in our school? And so over the last seven years, we've been doing a lot of work, um, how to incorporate culturally responsive practices, how to dismantle policies and change policies like the um, IEB process so that we're addressing our own bias. Um, how do we build strong connections with students? How do we allow them to get their voice out there? Um, so that they feel more connected. And we've seen a lot of progress. And um, so in uh, in 2020, um, you know, I was really inspired to write a, write a book and, and sort of this book, Change the Narrative, which is about how to help uh, school leaders, whether they're principals, district leaders, uh, classroom teachers, how to foster an anti-racist culture in their school. And it really is an, exp it's a book, practical book that is, is, is our experience uh, with my co-author, Kathy Lopes, um, on how to you know work do workshops, how to um, build strong relationships with students, how to empower students, and how to help educators to uh, grow and develop in understanding racial identity, cultural proficiency, and um, you know how to stand up for all kids and educate all kids. So this is what happens when you podcast with somebody who's on podcasts all the time, because you just answered like five of the questions that I had for you. And I only said, Henry, introduce yourself, which I love. I'm like, okay, there's my first question. There's my second question. <laughs> the first thing I want to do is go back to 2,200 students. I work with school districts and I say, how many kids in your school? Like, oh, we're pretty big. We have 600 K-12 <laughs> in the district did you have a small city in massachusetts as a high school how many assistant principals do you have good question so yes yeah, so i have 500 total staff in my building oh, uh, oh my so god i have uh yeah about 300 300 uh classroom teachers in, oh. in, in the school so um i have one vice principal we'd like to describe ourselves as ceo and coo uh, she does the day-to-day -day logistics scheduling and then I have uh, four deans, uh, one dean for each grade. And then I have uh, I have fourteen uh, department chairs. Wow, wow! I mean, that's like running. It's it's like running a company, you know. And I often I read a lot of business books and kind of like leadership ideas from like Harvard Business Review, Fast Company Inc. And I mean, you're bigger than some companies that are have a revenue of hundreds of millions of dollars. I think it's just absolutely fascinating. I you started talking about your book, and that was my that was my second question. Happy book birthday! By the time this podcast come out, it'll be a year and a few weeks old. Change the narrative: How to foster an anti-racist culture in your school. Co-author. Kathy Lopes, you started to go about the origin and why you wrote the book. The why is easy, obviously, so we can foster this anti-racist culture in, in our schools, which is so valuable. How did you and Kathy come together? And you could have written like 20 volumes on this, you know, and I find when I when I work, when I'm writing a book or when I'm talking to somebody, how do you pick the most important? And then how do you boil down 
writing the idea and then giving the reader tangible takeaways because the goal is you get the book you read it okay we can do this in our grade level we can do this in our department we can do this in our school in our district how did you kind of like think about all those and i know you kind of went through quickly but if you could go back maybe slow down a little bit so the so the listener can kind of say okay here are the five key tenets this is why this is how and then maybe some quick takeaways obviously everybody get the book it's linked in the show notes pick it up change the narrative how to foster an anti-racist culture in your school that was a big question henry take it away so i would start with saying that um, one of the special aspects of this book is that you have my leadership experience as a high school principal partnered with uh, kathy's um, experience as a social worker uh, in a DEI expert, diversity equity inclusion expert. And so she's a she's our diversity equity inclusion coordinator in our district. And so um, when I was, so your initial point of like my large, large school and organization is that, you know, one of the first things that I did when we learned about the overrepresentation of um, uh, black students on IEPs, uh, the you know racist incident that happened in our school is that I focused on my leadership team. Right, I started small with the twenty plus people on my admin team, um, and we took a year and a half to understand racial identity, uh, to understand cultural responsive practices, to understand uh, disproportionality, and how do you respond to it? Right, we really kind of dove into some of those those skills, and then that helped when they bought into it. Then now they're leading teams of 20 to 30, um, and they're able to create change within their uh, within their departments. And so that's the systemic like planned strategy, which which I we talk a lot about in the book. So when we got to the book, I I have you know I had this experience of being able to help to create change, to lead change, to lead teams, um, and so. I can talk about that from a from from a, from that perspective. Kathy's perspective is how to be human first, right? So as a, as a as a principal, you know, I, I certainly my drive is to be student centered, support our educators, right? And I'm dealing with all these systems and structures. Like as a social worker, you get on the ground and you are like, you know, thinking about what does this what does Adam need in this moment, right? And so that's where I think what's nice about the book is that it bring bridges. Her, her um, thoughtfulness um, and empathy as a social worker with my experience as a, as a systems leader um, to be able to merge it. So it's got a lot of um, uh, workshop acti and activity ideas for edu educators. And so that's how we, I came to the book is that I, I started writing a book about leadership um, and anti-racist leadership. Uh, focused on, you know, how do we address systemic racism in our schools? And when I got through, um, you know, about, uh, uh, you know, organizing the chapters of the book, um, you know, I was chatting with um, a colleague and I did, who had written a book and I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get this whole book done. <laughs> and she said, well, have you thought about a co-author? And so Kathy, uh, you know, is a great thought partner for me. And so we were talking one day and I said, you are the person um, for this. And I have to say, this book is a thousand times better um, because of that 
um, combination that I just described. And so uh, what the book is, is it really focuses the first part on leadership. Uh, what does what does a leader do and what are the processes for learning as a leader and as a system? So we, we follow this cycle of learn, reflect, act, and assess. Mm. And um, I'll just say quickly that, you know, sometimes as educators, we learn something and we want to like do it tomorrow, right? I remember when um, we did a workshop for our teachers on, um, on checking for understanding, we showed them the software that, you know, could check understanding, check student learning, you know, in the moment. And the next day, the kids' eyes are just spinning because, <laughs> uh, you know, every teacher is is using the software, right? And so with equity work and with um, work that's around um, disrupting inequitable systems, um, we can, our bias when we go and act really quickly, our bias can get in the way and we actually create more harm when we act too quickly. And so this idea of reflection is important to slow our thinking down. And then how do we assess, we check it. So that's the first part of the book. Second part of the book is focused on different aspects of what, who we are as educators, how we work with students, how we work with families and communities, how we um, work in the classroom uh, and from an instructional perspective, um, and how do, we, um, how do we change policies? you know, uh, and, um, you know, like grading policies, for example. So uh, that's the structure of the book is, is to help leaders to think about that um, if we're truly going to um, uh, address racism in our schools, and all of us have it, regardless of the demographics of our school, if you have majority white school or majority student of color school, there is going to be racism in your school. How do we understand it? How do we address it and how do we improve and grow and create a, a school that's for all kids? Yeah, no, I dig that. And I, I was just thinking, um, you, you, you know, you, you thought big with it and then you acted small because you can't go to all 500 staff members where well, you could, but it might, it might not go well. Cause they're going to be like, what are they talking about? But you, you thought big, but you acted small. And I think that works for maybe any new addition initiative or new idea. Who is that small group of people, that small team. And maybe that small team is three people, you and two other people, you know, wherever you at talk it through, get their buying, get them educated, get their investment. And then they kind of help you, uh, help you spread the message out, which I think is, uh, I think, is really important. Again, uh, get the book. It's linked in the show notes, Change the Narrative, How to Foster an Anti-Racist Culture in Your School, co-authored with a colleague, Kathy Lopes. And I love those stories. You start an idea, you're like, hey, this book needs something. And then you find that right person to kind of help you bring it across the finish line. So we're recording this in May, Henry, and it's it's hiring season. I know a lot of people are reaching out to me like, oh, I got this interview, I got this job. What do you think? What should I do? How should I answer the question? What advice do you have? for people out there that are interviewing for a job that are thinking about it maybe they're, they're just thinking about you know getting into uh leadership education leadership well, what, what advice do you have for people that are kind of in that situation that are either doing it or thinking about it maybe great so i'll just give a, a plug and say that if uh, people subscribe to my my newsletter uh and they can sign up at henryjturner.com i send out um to educators a list of uh question equity focused questions that you can ask candidates uh, so it's good for people who are applying for jobs but also good for people who are interviewing candidates and so i would say that the um you know the things that you want to look like particularly from um, you know, uh, uh, from a principal's lens is how is this person going to 
add to my culture. And I remember as a first-time educator or as a newer educator being on some interviewing committees and screening committees is that, you know, uh, more experienced educators, I would say, well, I want to find someone who's a good fit for our school, right? Who kind of fits in well socially, understands our students, understands our community, and is just kind of a good fit. And when we have that perspective, we're always going to find the same person, right? And that that may not necessarily meet the diverse needs of our students. And so what we want to look for um, is that particularly as schools say, well, I want more diversity. I want to hire, you know, more, I want to have a more diverse uh, staff. Well, we need to start thinking about people who are going to contribute to our culture, who are going to add to our culture, right? who's going to provide a different lens and different perspective from our culture. And that mindset just shifts who you are looking for when you're interviewing, right? Um, because your questions then are less about um, fit and more about what makes this person unique, right? What makes this person stand out? Um, and I always give scenario questions. So, you know, I always ask a question about, um, you know, a, a student who is, um, you know, brand new to our, to our school, immigrant student, just learning English. And they tell you they don't feel uh, connected to anyone in the building. What did you do to make them feel comfortable for them to share that information with you. And then what do you do next? Right. So multi-pronged about what are, you know, what are the action steps that person is going to take? And, you know, I want to find the person who's going to say, well, I have experience, you know, working with this kind of student or provides, you know, instead of just says, well, I'm going to pass it off to the ELL teacher, right? Someone's going to say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reflect on why is this student coming to me, right? They're going to provide this lens of that they're student-centered, that they're able to connect with a student who feels new to our school, right? Um, and so that's really been a mind shift for me over the last few years, too, in terms of who I'm looking for. So I'm looking for people who um, who are who are add to our culture, but also have the same values for our school. And I have found that the more that we promote our school, the more that we get applicants who are looking for the values of our school. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, those scenario questions I think are so important. Not just the tell us about yourself and tell us about your education. It's like, hey, this is this happens. These things happen. How would you respond? And if you don't know, say, you know what, I don't know. But here's some things that I would think I would want to do, or I would go to my, I'd go to my uh, my mentor, the person next door to me, say, hey, like, has this happened before? It hasn't happened to me. Can you help guide me through the situation? Right, which to me is like totally acceptable because we're all on this learning journey together and i don't think anybody has gone through every single situation but totally. it's, I, go ahead I was just, no i was just gonna, sorry to interrupt you i was just going to say that for new for new people is that when they say uh you know i'm going to go to my department head right like to me that's a winning answer right there right they totally. may not have to say anything else right yeah. i'm going to go to my department head and i'm going to figure out what i'm going to i'm going to ask them what i should do mm. is much better than i'm going to do all these things but i've never done it before right yeah yeah, no, it's like, you know, people listening, take that advice. It's okay to not know. It's okay to say you don't know, but you know what? I'm going to go to the right people and the right resources. So, which kind of leads me into my next question is who do you learn from, Henry? And and how do you find those people? You know, the, the internet has changed. Uh, social media has changed. Uh, Twitter for the longest time was the place where, like, I think, 
educators congregated um and that's obviously changed you know you got instagram and facebook and TikTok and and this and that but where are you going to to learn um from other people maybe that you don't know yet or just from people like like what does that look like for you i feel like there's a lot happening and changing and i'm even analyzing you know where i go to meet new people and get new ideas and read new blogs and find new podcasts because it's different than it was you know last year than it was five years ago. So what does that look like for you as you continue just to learn as a principal, as an educator, as a human being? That's a, it's a, uh, similar to you. I'm asking that same question because social media <laughs> has been a place where I've built a lot of relationships. But I, I do think that the, the newsletter space has been a great place for me to actually get to know people better. And so like email has been a great way for me, you know, now that I have you know, a large number of people who are who are subscribed to the I'm able to engage through email with a lot of people to learn more about them and set up like a, a Zoom call just to kind of chat. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do that a little bit on, um, you know, on with, with on Twitter and and um, Instagram is like someone who I really like a post that they've that they've made. I then want to go reach out to them to learn to learn more. And sometimes you know they don't they don't get back to me, but. Sometimes they do, and I build this kind of more personal relationship. And in some ways, you know, I've been, I like to follow sort of like the direction of social media and the direction of of media. And I think that I've heard um, a lot of journalists talk about that as well as that, you know, the landscape may be that we're not using social media as the place to uh, share news, but but actually a place to sort of like um, get us to see some different places where we can go and get news ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's true for us as educators is, you know, I may use social media to, you know, I, you know, now that I have, you know, just scrolls and scrolls of posts, I may not look at all the posts, but if there's something I really like, I may go and kind of find more about that person and try to build that relationship. And while my network may be smaller, it's going to be more personal. And I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to learn more from it. Yeah, no, I dig that. I'm all about the smaller, more impactful network than, you know, I have 100,000 people, but do you really know any of them? Well, it's almost kind of like we need to do like blind dating for people to meet new people. Hey, Henry, I got five people that you may not know. Let's get together and you can meet them and then connect and you vice versa. Who are some people in my network and then yours? Because, yeah, the social media space, um, it's uh, it has changed. It's not changing. It has changed and it continues to just to be kind of an interesting place. Uh, if you could choose one person alive or dead to spend the day with who is not a family member, who would it be and why? Wow. All right. Um I would say that uh, I would say that per- this person's dead. I'm just per- first person to come to my mind because I actually saw a post uh, about him recently was I'd say the author James Baldwin, um, who is uh, a writer uh, in the middle of the, of the 20th century and um, just was able to really identify um uh, racism in the United States. And actually the quote that I just, I think I just retweeted it today was, um, to be African American, African American means to be African without a memory and American, um, without, um, without a, without a past, without a future, something like that. Um, but it was just, to me, that was really, really powerful in terms of like, he just can kind of, he can, he can write in a way that just, uh, is a, just a mic drop. You know, 
So I would say that's a person I'd love to spend. I just love to learn about how to write, like his perception on society. And, uh, and uh, he also was a pretty cool traveler. It was all over like New York City and Paris and all that. So that would be kind of fun as well. Yeah, I don't know him too well, but I, th- I think he wrote books over like a 20, 30 year span. He wasn't like, he just didn't write like in this small span. He he was pretty broad in his uh, in his writing. So um, yeah. he's somebody I'll have to go, uh, I'll have to go bookmark and go, uh, go check out. Uh, Henry, a big part of this podcast is just amplifying the voices of my guests. So I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you. What would you like to say to all the people that listen to this podcast? Yeah. So, I mean, so I got my quote. So it's to be African-American is to be African without any memory and American without any privilege, um, which is just so poignant. So I would just love to say is that, you know, our, our work as educators right now is, has been so hard. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a practicing educator. I'm on the ground. I'm at, you know, at school first thing in the morning and leaving, leaving late every day. And so I just get how hard educators are working. Um, and, at the same time, we're in such an opportunity for doing amazing things in schools. Um, our kids need us. We kn- and now, you know, three years out of um, the beginning of the pandemic, we know we know what our students' needs are. Right? We know that it's connection. We know that it's uh, mental health. Uh, we know that it's um, uh, you know it's engagement that's fun and active. And um, you know, while we're in the mess of sort of uh, you know, the, the craziness of change in our schools and uh, the politics that education has is now sort of front and center in um, and the changing laws and policies that politicians are making towards towards schools, particularly uh, when it comes to uh, marginalized groups, is that the reality is that our kids need us now more than ever. And that's where we can find the energy um, in the in this work. And so that that's what excites me. That's what excites me to work with educators. You know, when I go through to schools is that um, when you see that fire of like these kids, I've got these kids, right? That's, that's who we've always been. And it's, and it's who we've got to be now. Yeah. I could not agree more. Very well said Henry Turner, Turner, HJ. I'm going to link the book in the show notes and also your website. So people can sign up for that newsletter. I need to sign up for your newsletter. So, man, I want to add myself after we're done with the podcast. Super fun uh, spending some time and uh, chatting today. One of these days, months, years, we're going to hopefully uh, get to hang out in person, maybe go to a Red Sox game. That'd be, that'd be cool. I haven't been uh, I haven't been there in a, in a long time, so uh, that would be fun. Maybe when the Giants are in town, because I'm a big uh, San Francisco Giants fan, that would be okay. uh that would be a fun, uh, fun game. So Henry, thanks again for coming on everybody listening. Thank you for all that you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.